This week's podcast is sponsored by the Bowers & Wilkins 600 Series 3. The eighth generation of one of Hi-Fi's most acclaimed ranges features some of the most comprehensive upgrades the 600 Series has ever received. The Bowers & Wilkins 600 Series 3 is designed for every music lover. It's the attainable way to experience the joys of true sound at home. Discover more at BowersWilkins.com. Hello and welcome to the AV Forums podcast for Monday the 11th of December and this ladies and gentlemen is the last regular live podcast from us. Uh, we're moving to a new format come 2024, we'll tell you all about that a little bit later on. Uh, tonight I you may see a reduced number of people in here because tonight we're going to talk about the Editor's Choice Awards so there's no Ian, there's no news tonight so uh, Ian's having uh, a deserved night off tonight. Uh, but joining me tonight is Matt, Martin and Ed. Good evening guys. Good evening. Uh, welcome, welcome along to the podcast. So this week like I say we're going to dedicate the whole podcast probably about an hour long um, to the Editor's Choice Awards. Now we're not going to go into this uh, line for line, word for word, because the articles are up on the website. So go to the homepage uh, and you will find the articles for each of the sections that we're going to talk about uh, this evening. Um, no, tonight we're going to talk about TVs and projectors. We're going to talk about home AV and we're going to talk about hi-fi, um, our favourite products, the the big winners, why the one and so on. So we're going to get into that a little bit later on. The chat window is also open for the last time live. Uh, so if you want to get your questions in tonight and you're watching us live on YouTube right now, uh, you can do that using the chat window. If you're watching us a little bit later on and most of you do, or you listen to the audio-only version, then you can head over to avforums.com, go to the forum, uh, go right down the bottom of the forum list, and you'll find the podcast forum, uh, find this episode and leave a question. That sounds difficult. It's not. It's nice and easy to follow us and so on. Uh, and what we do is we collate your feedback and your questions. And then when it comes to the next regular podcast, uh, we do answer those. Um, and going forward, we intend to keep this section of the podcast. So uh, without further ado, let's have a look at podcasts, previous podcasts and some of the feedback. So from the 27th of November, uh, Home Cinema Speaker Packages uh, two. I think here for you, Matt. Um, so, do you want to have a look at them and read them out, and then give us uh, give us your replies to those? Yeah, sure. So, Toon Army came on and said, "Welcome, Matt. I enjoyed your review of the home cinema packages, in particular, covering the performance of the center speakers. They're integral in any setup and seem to be frequently ignored from specific comments in lots of reviews." Um, also, thanks to Ed for the Vince Clark recommendation. His album is a great test for speakers, and my sub was kept busy throughout. Was a great uh, album. I listened to it after the podcast. It's, uh, yeah, it's 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 a good one for working to just having in the in the background or oh, testing yes, the system. It's not yeah. something that it, it happens in the background. It's good. Yeah, absolutely. So, my that is a, a pertinent point that that Toon Army has raised there. Um, you know, I think uh, the center speaker is a forgotten, really important uh, speaker in any system because it 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 basically never stops working through a film soundtrack. Yeah, no, it does. It doesn't. But I thought in the particular reviews, I think Toon Army was talking about, like a lot of people focus on the center channel just for the vocal element of it. But like you said, a lot of the mixes are very heavily centered. Um, I know I watched Home Alone last night with my kids. It's a family thing. And that was one of the big things I noticed was that the the mix on that is very, it's like 80% comes out of the center channel, right? And the, the left and right actually hardly ever come on. It's quite, quite amazing. So yeah, thanks for that one, yeah. Toon Army. And then... Wild Reefer commented on the, mod the monitor audio, Steph. Um, I've got some monitor audio bronze twos a few years ago. We had an unfortunate encounter with our cat, taking them for a <laughs> scratching post. He's got the bronze twos hooked up to an Onkyo 910 amp. He's very happy with them overall. 
Um, doesn't think he could have done any better. Got him 25% discount because it was right at the end of the production run. Um, they got a bit of warmth to the sound and they deliver on that surprisingly well. They also serve as his TV sound system and they don't disappoint there either. One day, if he's got a bit more dash, he'd be happy to consider the golds based on his experience with what he's got so far. Um, yeah, can't really, yeah. can't really complain on that. And, and there's, but, there's a few things that he's mentioned there that we're probably going to come and talk about a bit later on when we look at uh, trends for next year. Because um, he's mentioned a couple of things there that I think are going to be significant going into new year. And I know Ed's going to have some input into uh, eARC and HDMI and so mm. on um, and hi-fi products for those reasons. So yeah, uh, some really good points there, Wild Reefer. Um, and then I think you've got one more actually. Yeah, there's one more. Neil Taylor 6645 succinctly states, I bought these speakers, very happy with them. And he was referencing the BMW 600 S3. So I believe that's the ones that Ed reviewed there. Yeah. 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 Um, no, it's, um, he's, well, I've got to say, uh, it looks like Bowser and Wilkins have done an excellent job with the 600s. My first serious home cinema system is based on probably the S1s, the original 600 series, um, you know, with the yellow Kevlar drivers and so on. So they seem like they've been around forever and we're only on the S3. So there you go. And a couple of questions came in about the Philips OLED 908, which I reviewed in the uh, previous podcast. Um, President Hughes noted that... Um, as said, minor differences between the TVs, and it is you could flip a coin for most choices when it comes to TVs this year, and we'll get onto that in editor's choice. Um, but he went for the Panasonic uh, just because he wanted a, a snappier and simpler OS and GUI. Um, uh, but then he goes and says, at least Bowser and Wilkins actually develop a sound system for a TV rather than the fake systems you may get on other brands. Uh, he picked on Sharp, but there are other brands out there who have uh, branded uh, systems that are they're not designed uh, specifically for TV chassis where I think you, know, you pay for it, but Bowers and Wilkins actually go out of their way to, to develop the drivers and the dampening and everything else for, for this. So yeah, good point there. Um, and Sestma7829, I think I've said that correctly, um, need the best screen associated processing to watch great SD upscaling as well as sport. We'll probably go for a top-end Sony uh, when they produce something above 82 inches, I hope soon, 2024 latest. Um, and I don't want any speaker or sound from the TV. I've lived without TV sound for over 20 years. So this is a common thing uh, amongst enthusiasts. You want bigger screens, and um, a lot of you have your own sound systems. It's something that does get fed back to manufacturers. You, what we've got to remember as enthusiasts is that the manufacturers are not just producing TVs for us because we're we're... In you know, when you look at the whole market, we are a relative niche. Um, so yeah, making monitors is probably not profitable as Panasonic have gone back to putting sound bars on, on their mid-level TVs and so on. So um, as well as 82 inches for Sony, I don't think so. Um, and if they do, you're going to be paying a pretty penny for it. Interestingly, I was in Poland last week or the week before um with TCL looking at their 98 and 100 inch. Uh, sorry, the 85 and the 98-inch TVs. They have a, a over 100-inch TV coming uh, in 2024 as well. Uh, the reason I went out there is because these things are just too large to send out for review. So we need to find a way of reviewing them. Um, and I think we've got a solution. But anyway, I went out there. Um, it was an absolute nightmare coming back. I was supposed to get home on Thursday evening. I had two flights. I had to go to Schiphol and then Schiphol to Newcastle. I got to Schiphol fine. And I wondered why the plane was sitting at the gate uh, not powered up, no crew and anything else because it was cancelled. I didn't get home to Saturday afternoon. Um, uh, it was a bit like, um, what's the Tom 
uh, Hank's film, you know, when he's stuck the in the, is the it terminal. terminal. Yeah, it's a bit like that. Um, not a very good experience, but actually in the 20 odd years that I've been doing this and traveling, I've only ever had one uh, issue and that was coming back from Vegas one year when the plane was broken, but we left the next morning. Um, this is the longest issue I've ever had. So I've been lucky in that kind of way, but mm. anyway. All right, so I think we've wrapped up on the feedback um, from previous podcasts. So thank you very much for that. And like I say, if you've got any more feedback, get it in. We will get it answered probably in the new year now. Um, there is one other podcast coming this year. It's a Christmas special. It's coming next Monday. Um, we'll tell you a little bit more about that a little bit later. Right. Uh, who did I victimize this week for the competitions? Was it you, Martin? I think so, yes. Yeah. Yeah, crack on then. Uh, so our competitions uh, for the uh, within the hardware section uh, and open to all AV Forums members. Firstly, we've got the opportunity to win a pair of Astell and Kern UW. 100 Mark II true wireless earphones, courtesy of AV.com. With £269, these earbuds feature full-range balanced armature drivers and support Bluetooth 5.2 with Aptex uh, Adaptive. There's four ambient listening modes and a battery life of up to 29 hours in total or 9.5 hours of continuous playback. This competition closes 11.59 p.m. on Sunday, the 7th of January, 2024. Next up, you can win a Humax A14K Ultra HD streaming box with three times Humax Wi-Fi Smart Plugs Bundle. The A1 is an Android TV streaming box which hosts apps such as Netflix, Amazon Prime, Video, Disney+, Spotify, YouTube, and more. There's also Dolby audio, Google Assistant, and Chromecast built-in, plus a remote control is included. Meanwhile, the Humax Wi-Fi smart plug can be controlled with your voice, making it easy to switch devices on and off remotely when paired with the Humax Smart Living app. They feature a built-in energy monitor to check power consumption of plugged-in electrical devices to help reduce energy bills. This one closes 11.59 p.m. on Thursday, the 21st of December. You can also win the ultimate streaming system, the Roxanne Atessa streaming amplifier, plus the monitor audio silver 107G bookshelf speakers, worth a combined £2,400. The Atessa amp uses the highly regarded Blue OS streaming platform while the Monitor Audio Silver 7G series speakers use lightweight C-cam tweeters and rigid surface technology two, uh, technology two, the drivers. This yeah, one closes. It's not very well written, this, but never mind. You're, you're reading it fine. <laughs> okay, this one closes at 11:59 p.m. on Wednesday, the 28th of February, 2024. Uh, to wrap up our 2023 collaboration with Peter Tyson, they're giving a lucky winner the chance to get hold of the Bowers and Wilkins 705 S3 stand mount speaker. This is an amazing prize. This is a hell of a prize. Yeah. Amazing prize. Featuring the tweeter on top, along with AudioQuest Rocket 22 speaker cabling, a prize worth over £3,000. Yeah. Yes, definitely worth entering that one. Another one closes 11.59 Thursday, the 4th of January, though, 2024. Uh, you can win. Now, I'd like this one as well, actually. You can win a James Bond 007 scale extra set 
which includes beautifully detailed models of the Aston Martin V8 Vantage and the Aston Martin DB5, and will be a surefire hit with fans this Christmas season. Do you think this the one... cars only start every couple of days and only after you spend it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, this one closes 11.59pm Tuesday the 2nd of January 2024. And here's an opportunity for our US members to get in on the competition action for once with the exclusive chance to win a $500 voucher to spend at MPB, the platform for buying, selling and trading used photo and video gear. This one closes at 23.59 tomorrow. Uh, that's 18.59 Eastern Standard Time and 15.59 uh, Pacific Standard Time. And that's Tuesday tomorrow, like we said, the 12th of December. And I think that is it for the hardware competitions. It is. Um, so there is also, um, there was just too many for us to go through tonight. We'd have been here <laughs> till been nine, nine o'clock. Um, so there's also a full range of DVDs if you're retro, Blu-rays and 4K discs available uh, for the patrons and standard AV forums members to win. Uh, some of the prizes are excellent, like Oppenheimer, Saw 10 and uh, Django. So head over uh, to avforums.com forward slash competitions to enter those. And again, all competitions are eligible, eligible to AV forums members or patrons resident in the UK, apart from the US people for MPV. Uh, that includes me. I'm not included in that, so I can't win anything, but there you go. Uh, right, so we've got some previous winners. Um, Ed, why don't you tell us about those? Very well. Um, Adam Deer won the Wharfdale DX8, DX3 HCP, courtesy of Peter Tyson IAG, worth £500. Well done to you. Grey Counselor won a complete monitor audio and Roxanne Hi-Fi system, worth 2,468 quid from AV.com. So, well done to you. I hope you're yeah. chuffed with that. There um, is, uh, we... some actually fantastic competitions. Yeah. Thank you very much to everybody that provides the prizes uh, to give away because uh, some of those prizes are absolutely stonking. Thank you very mm. much for the support. Uh, right, so uh, new patrons and uh, who bought us a coffee as well? Right, well, Mr. Black 79 and Dylan Jones are our new patrons. Welcome to you. Oh, no, hang on, there's more of them as well. Um, Doc Jim uh, and VW deserves a special thanks for supporting us with the biggest total in Patreon donations. So thank you specifically to you, but thank, thank you, you to guys. all thank of our donors. You know, it's always, always uh, very grateful for the, for that. And we've been purchased a coffee by Mr. Black 79 and John BN1. Um, obviously, the ongoing desire to create a podcast, which is watchable, um, continues as a mission statement. Uh, we've, you know, we've got plans for 2024. We'll see how we get on with that. But thanks for your ongoing support. Yeah, okay. Uh, so that's everything wrapped up. And normally we go to TV, but we're not going to do that. We're going to go to Hi-Fi first. If you enjoy the podcast on YouTube, then please like and subscribe. If you're listening to the audio version, then please leave us a rating on your podcast app. We invite you to email questions and feedback to podcast at avforums.com and join in with this episode's discussion thread in the podcasts forum at avforums. Right then. Okay. Hi-fi section. Uh, as we said earlier, I'm not going to go through the complete list of products that have won awards this year because there's an article that lists the complete list of products that have won an award this year. And I don't have Ian to turn to as well. So I'm feeling <laughs> lonely and vulnerable. And let's just basically give you some edited highlights. Firstly, thank you to all of the people who have read and commented on the piece. All of your feedback is, is instructive. Um, learned a lot of things the the thing i'm going to pick up on before i say anything about any product is i think 
we are slightly adrift in terms of perception and the reality as to what constitutes an affordable product in 2023. Uh, wherever possible, I will look at things that don't cost a huge amount of money. We looked at a number of streamers, digital items, which I think count as genuinely, genuinely affordable. When it comes to certain other products, um, I'm afraid the, the entry point for where we start looking at them is going to be higher than a, a subset of people here are necessarily happy with. Um, I could apologize for that, but I'm afraid it's the reality of where we are. Um, if something interesting and affordable does come up, obviously I'll make a beeline for it, but it, we aren't going to look at something for the sake of filling a particular price point and a particular category, because if it isn't something that actually is going to generate um, a degree of interest amongst people reading it, it's simply no point. So with that in mind, um, we've tried to cover as many different segments as we can. It's a slightly different set from 2022 because we looked at slightly different things. Um, broadly speaking, um, everything everything that we've chosen, it, it wasn't a fight to the finish. They, they were, usually the item in question stood out. Um, I did want to say there's a special mention, firstly for our competition prize, the Boa 705S3 and the Cambridge Audio MXN10 on a number of other years where we run awards, um, those products would have qualified easily for an industry choice award. They are sublime, they are both excellent. They were pipped to the post by competition that was just supernaturally good. So those are your, uh, your you, if you like, your um, slightly unlucky in love uh, products. But then otherwise it's essentially, um, as the article states, we looked through a number of things, the highest number of 10 out of 10 reviews we've had this year, uh, that's mainly my weakness, but essentially there's a number of products where even though it isn't completely perfect, it's very hard to find significant objective fault with it, which is why it is a 10 out of 10 product. I did want to concentrate right at the end on on the big ones, if you will, the product, the, 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 the sort of more more generalized awards and the product of the year. So let's just talk very briefly about these specific highlights because I wanted to explain why we'd done those. God, it's a long way to scroll down on this article, isn't it? <laughs> right. Um, the uh, first one that we, we talk, talked about was uh, Best Newcomer, uh, which is contestable because some of you will point out they've been around for a while, but it's the first year that we've looked at their products, which is WIM. Um, WIM have got this award because they turned up in a price point where I didn't think we'd be looking at almost anything, certainly under £100. I didn't see myself reviewing anything under £100 this year, but not only did I review something under £100 from WIM, it was bloody marvellous. The WIM Mini is absurdly good for £90. These are really, really well thought out, decent sounding, enjoyable to use products that come in at price points where most other manufacturers have given up. Um, and that's a, a big deal. If you've got an old amp kicking around somewhere, you think, oh, I'd love to get that up and running and be able to, you know, stream to it and, th and stuff like that. For 90 quid, you can. Um, and if you've got, you know, an old DAC and you want, actually, do you know what? It would be nice to just be able to send without having to, you know, have a CD transport or some, some other piece of legacy wired connectivity. These streamers are here ready and waiting to do that sort of work for you. WIM is um, making some excellent stuff. They haven't finished yet. Uh, you'll be delighted to hear that the streaming amplifier that the company has announced, I've got one of those sat in my hallway. It's not come out of the box yet. Um, so they may yet finish off 2023 giving us one more um, tremendous product. But the three that they've sent are 
hugely impressive. It's an absolutely brilliant show. Nothing else came close in terms of getting Best Newcomer. Um, best Hi-Fi Brand. This is Bowers and Wilkins, and this is partly in response to, as I was saying, about the 705 S3 being slightly unlucky. The 606 S3 got its award. Nothing else I tested under £1,000 is a cred- you know, is, is meaningfully better indeed any better than the 606 s3 it's an excellent product and uh, matt's experiences with the multi-channel suggests that it's it's just as good when you use multiple ones of them as well 705 s3 is absolutely outstanding as well in many years that would have garnered an award and it comes off the back of two years maybe slightly more than two years now where bows and wilkins has been producing products which do all of the standard bows and wilkins things they're beautifully made they're relatively attractive um they are accurate revealing their measurements will undoubtedly be extremely good but they're fun they're all so fun um and i didn't necessarily feel i'd be saying that i mean i reviewed the 805 d4 um last year not this year and i've got the uh, 805 signature in at the moment Ooh, well, interesting the NDS, in end of year review and they're still they're not just talented speakers they are genuinely joyous to listen to. And but this is great that Bowers and Wilkins has their mojo back. They are mating this, the, you know, the extraordinary technological lengths that they go to with products that are hugely entertaining. And that is surely what it's all about. Um, so that's why they got this award. I think at the moment they have really rediscovered what it is to be a hi-fi company and what's more they've rediscovered it at all sorts of price points we can argue until we're blue in the face as to whether 750 pounds constitutes an affordable loudspeaker i would counter that next to an 11,000 pound loudspeaker it's affordable um but crucially at all of these different price points they are delivering genuinely enjoyable products that still do all the things that we've come to expect from the company so they're having a purple patch and i felt it was important that we celebrated that uh, and then finally, product of the year. Um, I rewrote this three times. Not going to lie, because uh, I went between the WinPro Plus, the EverSolo DMPA6, and the Riga uh, LX Mark IV. And in the end, I explained why I went for the Riga LX Mark IV. That is because I think in 2024, I'm going to see more sublime affordable digital products it's the nature of the beast someone else will come out with something that that has the forum talking has me testing it and going yeah this is a bit bloody good i'm less sure i'm going to see a better amplifier at or anywhere near the price than the riga in 2024 and it's still going to be around in 2024 riga don't rush to change things if you just want a truly great amplifier it's a truly great amplifier it's now got that duo of digital inputs it's not the most sophisticated set ever going but if you want to connect a television to it you can if you want to connect a turntable to it you can it's a reg amplifier it's got an excellent internal phono stage i don't honestly feel that any of the amps i've tested under two uh, up to two thousand pounds are meaningfully better than the lx's at 1200 and that's the hallmark of something that's truly great it's well made it's attractive it's an absolute doddle to use um it's you know made by a company which looks after its customers i mean the warranty terms under which riga offer new products now fundamentally unless you set fire to it or have a party with it they'll look after you um and you know all of these things feature factor into the fact that this is an outstanding thing and when you sit down and listen to it 
I haven't had a single, all the people I've talked to have spent any time with it. There's not been a single piece of negative feedback. It is just outstanding. And that is what makes a product of the year. Last year's product of the year, the neat elite, the neat, neat petite classic, I should say, um, is, um, yes, there's still a pair of them here. They're still delivering joy and they're still outstanding. They're still truly remarkable things. If hi-fi rolled awards over like other some other categories do because there's not that many products in it things like the neat elite would still be right up at the top of the tree and the riga would be too the reason why we don't roll awards is because they have long lifespans and things could be contesting them for donkey's years so we always do fresh um but i have no doubt in my mind that the riga will be competitive with absolutely everything that we see next year and that is why it is the products of the year um did you want to talk about what I think is going to happen next year now, or is that at the end? Phil? No, we'll do that at the end, Ed. Um, Fine. Obviously, we, we want to talk about the, the products that you're highlighting there. Um, questions are starting to come in. There's one there for you, Ed, from uh, Lap1N for 13UX. I'm sure it says something else. Did I I'm... test speakers other than Bose and Wilkins this year? Well, yeah. yes, I did. Um, you know, the, the one that the fine audio that got um, uh, an award the PMC that got an award. I mean, in the category that we tested the Bose and Wilkins in, actually, we tested two blinding loudspeakers. The Focal Vestia is excellent, and the Q Acoustics 5010, sorry, 5020 is excellent. They're not quite as excellent as the Bose and Wilkins. As I have been at pains to stress before, there is a lot of product out there. Um, and if I don't think it's going to be pretty damn good, I don't get it in. Life is too short for me to sit here tearing chunks out of indifferent stuff. I'm here to try and curate the stuff, which really should be the things that you go and get a demonstration of. Um, but no, I did listen to speakers other than Bowers and Wilkins. Uh, I will continue to listen to speakers other than Bowers and Wilkins. We've got um, uh, penciled in for early next year. Uh, some of you have a modern nostalgic bent will remember this. I've got a pair of castles turning up. No. Yeah. So there. Past from the past. Indeed. So yeah, we look at all sorts of different things. We do. We look at items where there's a compelling interest for us to do so. Um, and much as in a in an ideal world, I would like to devote a bit more time to trying to highlight the input of smaller and new brands to the to to the industry. Um, that has to be balanced against looking at major efforts from major companies. So that's how we've done it. Yeah. Okay, there's some other questions coming in. They're about TV. I'll save them till the TV section, which is uh, is coming up soon. So if you can hold fire, we will come and uh, answer those questions a little bit later. But Ed, um, thank you very much for rounding up uh, the Hi-Fi Editor's Choice. Um, yeah, some great Sorry. products in there. If you want to see all the categories, you want to see everything that Ed's uh, uh, enjoyed this year. And it wasn't just Ed. I think some of the awards. Yes, in the, uh, uh, Martin got in on the act. Uh, Simon yeah. Lucas got in on the act. It's not a one-man show. I'm delighted that it isn't. Yeah. So thank you for your contributions as well. And if you have any questions, just throw them into the comments set. I am subscribed to it. I have been answering it. So if you have a specific question, I will do my best to answer it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, Ed. Right. So coming up next is Home AV. If you'd like to support the AV Forums podcast on a regular basis, then why not become a patron? Head over to patreon.com forward slash AV Forums to sign up. You can send us a YouTube super chat or buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash AV Forums. All donations help us to improve the website and the podcasts. Thank you to all our supporters.
Okay, so moving on to home AV, and this is massive. Uh, there are lots of categories to get through here. Um, as you can imagine, uh, is a, a huge subject area. So rather, again, than going through absolutely everything, um, we're just going to pick out uh, the ones that we think we really should be uh, mentioning here uh, and talking about because they are pretty special. Now, one of the questions is why is there so many soundbar uh you know, sections and awards and so on. It's not primary school sports day. We're not trying to give everything a, a, a winner's badge. The reason uh, that we've come to split it out the way that we, we do is it's all about use case. And it's something, again, which we'll get back to when we, we get onto TV as well. It's There is no one perfect solution for absolutely every use case. So uh, that's why it's broken into different sections or split out into different sections. Uh, and soundbars are an incredibly popular section of home AV at the moment. There are lots of people who are downsizing and looking for solutions for their living rooms or second rooms uh, where they can improve the sound of their TVs. So, um, guys, what were our highlights when it came to soundbars this year? Let's go to Martin first. Well, of the ones I looked at, certainly um, I think the Creative Stage V2 was one that stood out. Um, Available so, we're, for, so we're talking about a soundbar here that was 100 quid. Correct. Under 100 pounds now, actually, about 90 pounds if you look on around on the internet. But what it did impress me about the Creative Stage V2 is that it's got punchy sound, very clear dialogue. It's got a very useful surround mode. Um, and it actually looks like it's more expensive than it is. The build quality of the soundbar section itself is quite robust. And it's nice looking and it will, you know, complement any size of TV. I was, but I was very impressed with it. Um, even the subwoofer itself was pretty, uh, pretty substantial, not only in terms of build, but in terms of sound quality as well. But again, we're looking at £100. I mean, you're not getting anything like, no, no. you know, reference sound here. But, um, it's, you know, if, if you are strapped for cash, it's a great option. And, and it's going to sound better than probably the speakers in your tv the most tvs yes yeah and and that's you know probably the point where most people are looking at sound bars and so on um <clears throat> once to i think to mention as well they, they always do well they always win awards it's the samsung models um samsung do spend quite a bit of time on their sound bars um and there's two crackers uh the 930c the q930c the one the all-rounder um, it was John Archer that did the review for us for this one, uh, 9.1.4, uh, 17 drivers, and it's half the price of the flagship 990C, um, yet almost as good in terms of what John was saying. So that needs to be highlighted. Obviously, the, the flagship one there as well um, did incredibly well. Uh, the JBL Bar 1300 did well. Uh, it won a couple of awards, so it got multi uh, multi-room soundbar and I'm trying to think what the second one was it'll come to me in a second uh, uh, soundbar solution so you know that it was a perfect fit in there as well so lots of good soundbars in there Matt did you want to highlight any um, I was I was glad to hear the Sennheiser Ambio Mini um, yeah. made it to the list as a second room soundbar I think even as enthusiasts go like everybody will have a dedicated room but then you've always got that other room and as an enthusiast you never just want to have standard sound and with Sennheiser, their their bigger Ambio, the the Max, the one that was doing all the hype on YouTube, that one was taking all the thing. It was good to see this Mini come on and and win the award for the second room soundbar. So yeah. I thought that was really good that they're 
branching out, like you said, it's they're finding a different use case for the people that didn't want to spend the 2,500 pound and have something larger than life sitting in front of their television. So I thought this was really good and something that's uh, different from the typical Sonos offering that mm -hmm. people might lean towards. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some, some cracking ones. I actually got sent a couple of soundbars. I didn't review them because I just didn't have time to review them, but uh, manufacturers did send them with the flagship TVs. And we actually got a question in from uh, Sugar Ray 29. There's a little gentleman listening, bought an LG C3. Can you recommend a soundbar? Yes. It won an award, uh, Lifestyle Soundbar, the LG USC 9S. The reason I'm recommending that is it's designed to go with the C3 and the G3. It comes with a stand where you can actually connect it to the panel. Um, so if you're going to wall mount, you can connect the soundbar to the panel. There's also a foot that goes on the back, so you can then turn the soundbar into a stand for the TV as well. Uh, so really flexible. The other thing is, it's designed to use the LG Orchestra uh, setup. Um, so as soon as you plug it in uh, using eARC, um, it just does its thing. It just works, and uh, it sounded incredibly good. Um, they sent one through with the C3 when it came in for review. I set it up briefly and used it for about a week. Um, John did the review. It's picked up on awards. So, yeah, that uh, hopefully that answers your question, Sugary29. So lots of soundbars to get through there. We've highlighted uh, a few that you should really uh, be looking for there. And the other one that I did have a listen to was uh, the Samsung HWQ990C, so the flagship. Again, um, really good. It had the wireless subwoofer surround speakers. Um, you generally got a surround feeling from it and um, carry quite a bit of heft. So moving on from there, we're going to move on to the speaker packages. So guys, anything there that we think needs a special mention? I know there is. It's just a leading question to get your talk, basically. Yeah, I thought um, going back to Ed's earlier point about uh, inflation of prices, right? And that's where the the jam also the, the entry level, the value home cinema series coming in at $14.99. Um, without a sub, arguably, but still to come in at that price point and to be decent, I thought was good to give people that entry level, right? If you don't want to spend that much on something, mm -hmm. you got to start somewhere. Yeah, everybody um, has to start somewhere. That's where the yeah, bug so, uh, starts. So well, that's good. But then, then jumping. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say £1,500 is kind of that magic threshold, isn't it? For a mm -hmm. kind of starter home cinema. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, I mean, you look at some of the high end sound bars and they are way over that. Right. Like, like I said, this, the um, Sennheiser's like 2,500 for the top. Like you go to the top of the range ones and it's like you're well outside of that. So it's good to see the discrete 5.1 is still below that super expensive soundbar threshold. So people have that option to choose. I think that's important in this, in this, whether you want to make that jump from being a, a soundbar guy to a, I don't want to say a true enthusiast because that might <laughs> turn people off, but you got to mean a true discrete enthusiast. You can make that jump without having to change jobs to do it. Yeah, it's always interesting. And then we're moving on to uh, the mid-range. So we've already mentioned Bowers and Wilkins. I don't want to turn it into the Bowers and Wilkins podcast. But again, um, they are producing some cracking uh, speakers. And the 600S3 picked up uh, Edit's Choice Best Mid-Range uh, Home Cinema System, Matt. Yeah, and this this had to beat out, you know, just because I know people will ask, like, what other stuff came. And it was, well, the beat out the vocals. I think a lot of that was because it just did everything really well it's kind of like what ed was talking about you know why do things get 10 out of 10s and it was well the surrounds weren't lacking like they were on the focals so doug reviewed the focals said the surrounds were a bit weak these weren't right so it's it's that kind of thing and just the ability that it can it was so good at doing music and movies and whatever it's just a well-rounded setup that you really can't go wrong mm -hmm. um so it, it's perfect for this type of award 
Yeah. Any any that stood out for you, Martin, uh, when it comes to the home cinema systems? Uh, well, I didn't get a chance to look at many 5.1 systems, but I was very interested to read about the BMW system reviewed there, and of course, Perliston as well. Mm. I mean, Perliston have come in with quite a big splash, and um, from what I understand, and I haven't had a chance to hear one of them yet, yeah. but uh, very much reference, and not only in terms Absolutely. of price, but performance as well. Yeah, I was lucky at CES last year. Um... Derek were using it uh, in their demo suite and um, absolutely phenomenal. It should be at that price, but yeah, absolutely phenomenal. Where, where you want a system where the speakers disappear, that's a system for you. It just, it just, it, it's a wall of sound. It's Amazing. very hard to argue with the level of technology in those. Um, yeah. And I will say, you know, I'm obviously a died in the wall two channel person and so on and so forth. And there are arguments about there being slightly different engineering disciplines to that multi-channel but some of the engineering that Perliston has put in does have you asking questions about what more traditional two-channel manufacturers might do to actually learn from some of the things that are being done mm. and that's not easy for me to say but and I, I would confess that having had a demo tour of it myself that there's some impressive stuff going on there I mean it, it's yeah. it isn't money you lose down the back of the sofa but you can see where it's gone yeah, including, absolutely. I think, a push-pull configuration inside their yeah. subwoofers as well, mm -hmm. which is right. tremendous for, uh, yeah. you know, impactful uh, bass. Yeah, because that was always yeah. the K thing, right? M and K Sorry? kind of sold mm -hmm. the, yes. yeah, the X12s absolutely. and X15. That was all push-pull stuff. It's yeah. good to see another manufacturer using that because well, it works yeah. well when implemented good. There are some personnel who have traversed from uh, one organization to the other, so there is... <laughs> <laughs> Explains that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, so that was inspirational system. Uh, the other home cinema system to mention very briefly was the high-end system, which was uh, Sendo uh, Home Cinema 5.1 speaker package. I am interested in hearing this. I haven't heard it yet. Um, but Doug raved about them, um, thought they were great. Uh, again, a lot of money. I think you're talking about 11 grand in total. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a little bit cheaper than the Palestins because I think the Palestins came in at around about £27,000. So, yeah. Um, really? yeah anyway. One of the things to point out with this, sorry to cut in, Phil, but one of the yeah. things I think was interesting about this company in particular was the coaxial. Like they're really focused on that coaxial delivery, which mm. is completely different than what you're going to get from Perlison, completely different from monitor audio. You know what I mean? Like yeah. what, what I think is interesting about this year's awards is that there isn't a specific speaker design type that's winning through all the categories. There's more than one, let's face it, there's more than one correct way of doing a number yeah. of different and that And this proves it, right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, and then we move on to uh, subwoofers on their own. Um, always, uh, always the first thing I think that gets upgraded in most people's systems because um, most people are bass heads. Most people love bass and and want that impact, especially when it comes to movies. So we got a few to get through quickly here, but um, seeing a budget model um, is always interesting because some of the budget models out there are truly awful. <laughs> Being honest here, they, they are. They're truly awful. Um, so value subwoofer this year went to JBL. I think they're doing something very nice there, Martin. Well, the A120P, yeah. I mean, it doesn't have very convincing timing and it can be a bit sloppy as well. But it did add enough weight and kind of air to uh, the soundstage. And that was why I felt it would be a good match for a mid-price or budget receiver. Again, if you're kind of at that £1,500 threshold I talked about a minute ago, 
relating to a 5.1 speaker package, then that sub plays in very well. And aesthetically, it matches the stage series. And this is part of the stage um, uh, family. Mm. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it gave enough heft to movies. It was pretty good on rock and roll, not so convincing on classical. And like I said, it can be a bit sloppy, but uh, it's only £399. And more importantly, more likely £300 if you search around a bit. Yeah, good stuff. So there's your entry level. Um, there, there's, there's lots to get through here, and I think we, we just really have to highlight a few. So we've already talked about Ascendo there, sub, uh, this, the 12 sub, um, did very, very well. Um, and Rel also done well, Martin, and you've been looking at them this year. And it's great to see that that brand's still around because, um, you know, one of my first, I think my first subwoofer actually was a Rel Storm back in the day. So um, it's nice that they're, they're still around and still at the higher end of things as well. Yeah, definitely. And I was really, again, this was a surprise to me. I didn't expect the performance to be quite as uh, honed and um, and expressive as it was. And uh, particularly on classical sources, very sensitive. But uh, when movies, um, when playing back movies, it really did uh, come into its own and it was uh, forthright and creates a great orb of bass in the room. I mean, a very, very kind of, spacious kind of bass which i haven't quite experienced before but i think that is partly due to the fact that it has two active 12 inch drivers and two passive one uh facing towards the floor and one towards the rear but uh yeah very expressive but very capable subwoofer and uh beautiful finish as well i know that's controversial in a lot of circles um but uh i felt that the piano gloss lacquer and its demeanor was uh very befitting of a high-end subwoofer. Excellent. I'd say so. Uh, quickly moving on because, like I say, we're not going to go through absolutely everything here. Uh, but the other big area for uh, home AV, and especially if you're putting together um, a big system, is your power amplification as well as your AV processor, or putting them all in one box in an AVR. So, very briefly, guys, um, what stood out this year in our awards for you? For me, the Primair 35.8 was an excellent eight-channel amplifier uh, for high-end home cinemas, definitely of the reference variety. Uh, beautiful, uh, what I described as laser-like imaging um, in, in incredible dynamics and uh, even and in bridge mode, even better. I mean, there's and there are so many configurations you can set up uh, from that amplifier, but I was very, very impressed. Okay, Matt, what about you? Uh, the Marantz AV10, I think, was the one that came through for me. I was really looking forward to reviewing that, that pre-pro. A lot of people on the forums got the 8805, um, and this was the thing that came after that. So I was really keen on that, especially because it's it's price point. Marantz is doing something uh, interesting there. Um, I think there's Storm and Trinoff and those top end, the real high end things. I think there's there was a gap there, like just above that mid it's like a mid-upper tier, and I think that this is yeah. where this one's sitting. I mean, I know it says high-end there, but you've obviously got your storm and your turn-off set kind of sit above that. Um, and I thought that's just a, an interesting move on Marantz's part. And the whole Dirac thing that came out, that was a big wave that them and Denon are going to start doing the Dirac thing, I think. Um, to, get, to, right get, to get the magic 16 channels of, of um, uh, in, into that price point was quite an interesting move, and I think we'll, have, we'll see more of that. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. So just wrapping up, um, I think there's one other thing that we really need to mention in here. Uh, Humax uh, Aura, again winning the PVR. Um, the, 
some of that is down to the fact that there's not much competition nowadays in the PVR side of things, but it's great to see Humax still around. They're still um, pushing this forward as a flagship. It's still worth every penny of its 250 quid if you're looking for something like that. And then uh, our Home Cinema System Solution Award went to um, something that is incredibly expensive, but Martin, you absolutely loved this. I really, really loved it and small enough to fit in a stocking, but unfortunately to the tune of about £20,000 for a basic system, uh, you get the Strato C player and one of the Terra servers will set you up with a basic package. But this is a network solution, so you have to think about not only the price of the hardware itself, but also installation. But of course, you can access... Uh, Kaleidoscape's library of curated files, uh, many of which are larger in their native form than anything you'll get even on a, uh, a dual-layer 4K uh, Blu-ray disc. And the performance is stunning. The, um, the usability, the app friendliness, uh, all absolutely amazed me. Fantastic interface, but it is a luxury product and you would expect it. But uh, they really have pulled out the stops of this, but it's a very expensive solution. Yeah, it's been around a number of years. It's been refined. Um, it is, I, I'm always stunned when I see one in action, um, but you, you need really deep pockets, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, right, so I think that wraps up our Home AV Awards. Um, we're going to come back to some of the subjects we've covered a little bit later in the podcast, but uh, next is TV. So uh, we're going to talk about TV, our editor's choice. Um, I'm going to preempt this because I know kind of what the questions are going to be coming in here. Um, that is, what is the TV of the year? And this is where I wanted to preface this because it's always been my belief that there is no such thing as a perfect TV. There's no such thing as a perfect product. Um, you always get it when you award something a 10 out of 10. You get uh, you know comments on the forums that say, how can this possibly be a 10 out of 10? It's not perfect. Well, there is no perfect thing at all it's it's whatever suits you and your use case and what it is that you want from a product um there are some fantastic tvs out there most of them are almost indistinguishable unless you get them side by side in terms of actual picture performance i think a lot of people do read far too much into the reviews uh in the reviews we have to pick out things that we see that are different um at the end of the day, you're talking about minute differences between these products, um, especially if you're putting them into the most accurate picture mode. And why wouldn't you do that? Because that's what you want to see. You want to see things as they were mastered and intended to be seen. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to get that up front because I know people are going to say, well, how did the Sony not win TV of the year when it's such a fantastic product? And, yeah, in terms of picture quality, I'd have the Sony. Absolutely. Um, would I pay the price for it? That's something that you have to decide yourself. And then what I'm actually going to use it for. If I'm just using a TV for uh, a dark room where I want to watch movies uh, critically and I want to see it as a direct intended and perfectly calibrated and so on, the Sony wins it every day of the week. But not everybody wants to just do that. Um, and this is where you get into things where, what about gaming? Well, the Sony's actually quite not as strong when it comes to gaming as its main competitor, which is the LG G3. When it comes to picture quality, they both approach it in slightly different 
uh, way. So you've got QD OLED on the Sony and Sony's picture processing. You've got MLA, micro lens array, and meta technology on the LG G3. Um, so that's giving you that extra brightness and so on. So it doesn't quite have the color volume of the Sony. But then when it comes to the picture processing, they are very, very close. The Sony just pips it. Um, but again, we're talking about minute differences. And to be honest with you, you could flip a coin when it comes to picture quality between these two. If it was critical movie watching, I would err on the side of the Sony just for that color volume where it was used. Uh, but again, it's not used in everyday content and uh, we're still seeing everything uh, at P3. So, you know, to get that extra color volume, that extra color gamut, not all the material is like that. Not all material use uh, bright colors where color volume is going to be a thing. So again, you've got to judge it on what you want from the display and, and so on. So our TV of the year, and I'm going to cut to the chase uh, very quickly here. The TV of the year was the LG G3 and it was the G3 because not only is it a flip of the coin in terms of uh, picture quality, um, it has excellent gaming credentials. Um, it has a fantastic design. It's designed to be wall-mounted, but you can also stand mount it. Uh, MLA gets the brightness out there. It's the brightest TV that we measured this year, but it uses it properly. Uh, the tone mapping is fantastic. Uh, the LG tone mapping is excellent. When it comes to calibration, LG is still the only TV in the market where you can uh, upload your calibration to the TV. Um, and at the TV level. So you can input your 1D LUT or your 3D LUT calibration directly onto the TV using AutoCal. Uh, none of the others do that. They, they have AutoCal, but they won't allow you to go do that at the TV level. Um, so that's why LG are being used in Hollywood um, by a lot of studios, because they have that flexibility in there. So you also have your four HDMI 2.1 inputs at 48 gigabits per second. The Sony only has two. Um, and... EARC is on one of those. So if you want to use a, a soundbar and you want to use a, a games console, um, that's your your 2.1 ports are gone at that point. So if you then want another games console or a, or a gaming PC, you're kind of stuck uh, when it comes to 2.1. Some manufacturers who have two are getting around that. So TCL actually put EARC onto an HDMI 2.0. So you, you get your two 2.1s. So that's a nice solution that they're doing on their TVs. Um, but yeah, the whole reason why the G3 gets it is is also smart. You know, it, it's got a better smart TV system than Google TV. Google TV in the UK, and I have to spe you know, specifically say in the UK, it doesn't carry BBC iPlayer. It doesn't have any of the catch-up services. I think you get five, all for, all for maybe five on there, but it's very patchy and so on. LG, you get everything. Uh, everything UK catch-up wise, free view play, all that kind of thing, it's all on there. Uh, again, you get HDR, uh, Dolby Vision, HLG, uh, you got NVIDIA G-Sync, AMD FreeSync Premium VRR support. It's basically got everything on board there. And it's as an all-rounder with the picture quality, I couldn't give it to any other TV. Um, and again, when it comes to picture quality, between the Sony and the LG, you are flipping a coin. It's, it's, it is getting to that point now where these two technologies really are um, very, very close. Some other things that I need to point out sound-wise, um, most enthusiasts, um, and I don't want to you know uh, talk for everybody, but most of you have, have external sound systems, but it's still an important area sound on a TV if you want to buy a TV set. Um, Sony are still doing the absolutely fantastic. Um, I love the approach, the uh, Acoustic Surface Audio Plus. So two actuators for stereo um, 
on the panel, it, it vibrates the panel. That's how it creates its sound. It then has a couple of woofers built in for the lower frequencies, so you get your full range sound. But the advantage to that is almost like going to the cinema, or if you're lucky enough to have a dedicated theatre with a acoustically transparent screen where you can put the speakers behind the screen. The effect of the sound coming from the actor's voice, the, the actor's voice, sorry, coming from the actor's mouth on screen, um, and not from below or above or to the sides. So it just adds that little bit of realism to things, that little bit more cinematic flair. And it's a fantastic solution. I, I really do like it. Of course, the bottom end's not quite there. It's not going to do full on soundtracks. Um, you're going to need an external uh, sound system for that. But if you just want a, a really nice looking TV and the sound uh, quality is there, uh, Sony do that fantastically well. It's on uh, their OLED models. The luxury TV sound for me, and again, I'm coming back to a point that was made in the uh, in the questions a little bit earlier on in the chat window, um, is you know Bowers and Wilkins, uh, and again, this is done in the Bowers and Wilkins podcast. But the uh, the OLED Plus 908, um, it's a one chassis design, the Philips, and Bowers were given the the sound bar, and what they've done to incorporate the sound system in there to damping the dampen the sound from the chassis, so you're not getting vibration, you're not getting any unwanted uh you know distortion in there but you're getting crisp 3.1 channel sound um the the subwoofer on the back 75 millimeter subwoofer on the back with four passive radiators it sounds amazing for a little tv now again an external sound system is going to be at hands down but if you want a really nice luxury looking tv for your living room with that sound that is going to give you a, a little bit of a kick with movies and so on um, and it looks beautiful. It really does. The, the design of the whole thing looks really nice. Um, then they are really hitting it out of the park. So that's the sound side of things. Smart TV. Most are going to Google. Google's still got a lot of, lot of issues with it. It's, it's a good system. It's stable. Um, but when it comes to, the, like I say, UK catch up and that kind of thing, um, there's not a great deal of choice there. So I gave it to WebOS 23 from LG. Um, WebOS and Tizen are very similar, as you would expect from to South Korean companies who tend to copy each other quite a bit. Um, very, very similar. The reason why WebOS got it, um, because it does Dolby Vision uh, and Dolby Atmos and so on. Um, Tizen doesn't do Dolby Vision because Samsung doesn't do Dolby Vision. So uh, WebOS get that. And um, unfortunately, with these smart systems, advertising is making its way. And it's something I really dislike. And I would uh, you know, reach out to companies and say, if a punter is paying three and a half thousand pounds for a TV, they don't want advertising um, on their smart system. So maybe that needs a rethink um, in the industry there. Picture processing, it went to Sony. Um, Sony are absolutely fantastic when it comes to processing. And uh, the cognitive processor is very, very good. Their motion's excellent. Their upscaling is superb. Um, they used to be the best on the market. They're still there, but they're hanging on by their fingernails because everybody else is catching up, which is great for the consumer. Um, everybody's processing is improving. LG's made a big leap in the last two years. Um, the others are all catching up as well. Um, HDR TV, I did give that to the A95L for the reasons that, as I said earlier on, in terms of color, volume, and so on. Um, TV design, I gave that to the Philips OLED 900 Plus. Like I say, really nice uh, looking TV there. Um, and I guess uh, TV manufacturer, I need to mention that, which was uh, LG. Philips won it last year because Philips were on a, a, a real upward 
unfortunately this year um them and sony and so on they, they've been very late to market so in terms of how the awards have fallen it, it hasn't quite worked out for them but anyway tv of the year was the lg3 manufacturer was lg electronics and if there's one company who's really pushed tv technology in the past 10 years and they were celebrating 10 years of uh, of oled then it is LG. You know, OLED has come on leaps and bounds. It is a fantastic technology. We thought it was dead when HDR came along because of the brightness side of things, but the actual development that LG Display have put into it, and, and to be fair, Samsung Display as well with uh, QD OLED and how they're now pushing brightness and also reliability and um, a lot of the mitigation stuff that's now in these sets in terms of image retention and so on. Um, very, very good. So LG win it this year. The only other one I haven't mentioned was home cinema TV. So if you want a TV um, that not only does the images is intended to be seen and incredibly cinematic and accurate, but also gives a decent sound quality, then I gave it to the Panasonic MZ2000 uh, with its Dolby Atmos system um, tuned by Technics. Uh, and again, it had an MLA panel and uh, Panasonic's picture accuracy that you can't expect from a company. So they got home cinema TV. And I think I've wrapped up everything with the tvs that i need to do there and at this point i'm just going to um go over the questions because there's a few tv questions in there and see if i can answer those um so paul monger says i wish you would do review roundups of 98 inch and 100 inch tvs uh and see if they're a, a good replacement for a projector they are a good replacement for a projector we will be doing that in the future and um stay tuned because we're going to talk about our trends and i think this is my big pick for next year um Electric Dreams ask, is it worth upgrading an LG B7 OLED? It's a B7U UZ, isn't it? Still going strong there? Yeah. Um, although, I mean, when I say use, you know, I don't watch a lot of television film. But no, no mine is, is, is absolutely fine. I've got a B7 and a B8. Um, and it, because I keep buying records and shoes and all sorts of other things, I don't have any compelling reason to change it at the yeah. moment. But I am sure that you, with your eyes on more modern televisions, will point out that there are some advantages to be had. Yeah, if you if you like LG, you want um, latest processing, nice picture quality and so on, and you don't want to break the bank, um, I would pick the C3. And probably the perfect time to go and get one as well, because prices are uh, on the on the fall at the moment, because the new TVs are going to get announced at CES in four weeks time so uh so yeah once that happens you'll see some from further price drops and if you are looking for a tv and you're not too fussed about having the latest and greatest but you want last year's top end models um wait to january february that's the time to really start looking if you want your tvs uh good bit of advice there for you because that's when the new models are announced and everybody's interested in the new stuff so the old stuff yeah. tends to get the price cuts um let's briefly move on to projectors it is an area where Again, we're going to come on to trends in a moment, and it's an area where um, things are not stagnating, but they are a lot slower uh, in terms of updates and so on. Um, and uh, and and we see that in terms of if you're looking for a home cinema projector, there's always going to be high-end home cinema. There's always going to be Sony and JVC um, fighting it out at the high-end. JVC win it again this year. Uh, I think that's two years in a row for them in terms of uh, their um yeah, laser native laser projectors as well as the bulb native projector the mp5 um great machines uh incredibly cinematic if you're looking to build a cinema and you want um you know that picture quality 
uh, JVC would be your first protocol, especially when they're doing things like they're now adding in 40 gigabits per second HDMIs. Uh, input lags down to 36 milliseconds. And of course, you've got the whole HDR uh, side of things as well. The uh, dynamic tone mapping uh, technology is excellent as well. Um, they can be calibrated within an inch of their life. They look uh, amazing. And if you can afford to go up uh, into the, the higher price realms, uh, the laser models, again, amazing. Uh, technology and if that's what you want and and some of us really do like a projected image and still prefer a projected image uh, that's the end of the market where things don't move a hell of a lot but what jvc do really well ed and it's something we've discussed numerous times is that they'll get you to buy uh, an expensive bit of kit but it won't be out of date next year and you won't you know be hit by uh, you know dropping residual values what they tend to do is is long product cycles and lots of firmware updates to keep it relevant yes it's admirable and i'd like to see more of it i mean in fairness my going back to the b7 my lg television is still receiving updates to you know keep it ticking over and doing things which i think is commendable on the product of that age especially it's been discontinued but yes if you, you a high-end av managed to nearly make itself extinct by having very, very short product cycles and negligible ability to take older product into more modern more modern configurations. Uh, JVC is one of the companies that seemingly learned that lesson earlier than a number of other people. That, yeah, if you are going to ask people to spend £20,000, they don't want a paperweight after two years. And this is tremendously important so yeah i'm i'm all for it i would really really like a number of i mean it's starting to creep in with other companies as well i want i you know i it, it okay it means it's slightly less exciting we don't see the killer product every 12 months but equally you you can buy a killer product and it stays killer for a couple of years and that's got mm. to be preferable yeah absolutely absolutely especially when you're spending um, large sums of money on this kit right Talking about large sums of money, let's look at the affordable end because I've deliberately left this to the end because I think this is where um, we're going to see some excitement uh, next year. Um, first of all, uh, I have to mention the BenQ W4000i projector. If you're looking for affordable home cinema, so you're not going to get the inky blacks, you're not going to get the fluid blacks that you get on the JVC and Sony's. But again, you're not paying that kind of money. You're paying a lot less money, um, but you're still getting a, a superb performance. And something that's designed uh, for home cinema, it is calibrated in the factory. I've tested these, I've measured them, I've looked at the, uh, you know, you get the leaflet that says how they was measured in the factory, and they're within uh, a percentage of, of that. You know, you, you wouldn't notice a difference in terms of measure results. So they're doing excellent uh, factory calibration. They've got really good video processing on there. Blacks are not the deepest, but then they are um, a lot better than some of the uh, all-rounder DLP models. This is a DLP model, but it's based for home cinema. Uh, if you want something, it's three grand or under, and it will be under that now, uh, looking at prices. It's a good solution and worthy of demoing. And when we come to TVs, and we've got a question in here as well, uh, so I deliberately left off the value uh, side of the market um, because that's one area where we're, we're seeing an exciting battle at the moment between two Chinese manufacturers, TCL and Hisense. They've been around for a little while. This is where it's starting to get interesting because they've they're both now got confidence in the market. They've done their disruptive phase where they're coming in and underprice everybody and give you half decent quality. They're now interested in giving you the quality side, the, the build quality, the the picture quality is going to compete with the Samsungs and LGs and Sony's and so on. 
And this is why it's getting exciting because the product this year has been very, very good. Um, I've actually been living with uh, one of the award winners here for a number of weeks now because uh, at the moment there's no review TVs coming through. So I've hung on to this one and, and it's an LCD TV. It costs 650 quid. Um, and to be honest with you, for everyday living in a bright room, the TCL C745 has been a fantastic little TV. Um, really, really good. And if you're a gamer, fantastic uh, uh, features on there. No, it's not the brightest. It won't hit a thousand nits uh, when it comes to HDR. There's a couple of little niggles. Um, there's a bug with Dolby Vision um, that, that makes itself known now and again. Um, but apart from that, it's a solid little TV. And like I say, it's 650 quid for a 55 inch at the time of launch. I believe they're down to about the low 500s now. So uh, that's incredible value. It got our value TV of the year. Um, and anything that can sit in my living room and impress me at that price point is is worth having a look at. Now, again, it's not perfect. There's blooming, there's clouding. If you get off axes, you know, it's an LCD, it's a VA panel. You're going to get, you know, your gamma shift and your color shift and so on. But hit directly on, fantastic little TV. And the value gaming TV of the year went to its bigger brother, the TCL C845, which I believe Martin's now using for a lot of his testing. It sent that down to him once it finished for review. Again, a cracking mini LED TV, uh, 576 separate dimming zones. Um, I believe the price tag at the time of launch was about £1,000 for the 65-inch. So that's 65 inches for £1,000. You know, mini LED quantum dot layer. Um, it was really quite bright as well when it came to HDR. Um, Dolby Vision on board. It's got everything that you could possibly want. HDMI 2.1 at 48 gigabits per second. It'll do Dolby Vision gaming at 120 uh, because it's using a new Pentonic chip in there. Um, so yeah, fantastic TV again, and it picked up our value gaming TV. So good, good sound bar, as well, Phil. Yeah, Onky was sound on board there. So yeah, very, very good for a, for a TV. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when you look at that, thousand quid, sixty-five inch mini LED does every HDR format under the sun. Um, does a hell of a lot gaming wise as well. Um, it and input lag was competitive with everybody else on the market. Uh, it, it it was a no brainer that that picked up the value. Um, why you know Hisense? Well, Hisense just went in at higher price points. The performance was there, um, very similar to TCL, but TCL in the UK, and I have to point out in the UK because it is different from different markets. In the UK, TCL were were at least five hundred quid cheaper at launch. Um, so it's a no-brainer on the TCL side of things. Uh, another thing that TCL are doing, you maybe never heard of TCL until recently, but they are the second biggest TV manufacturer on the planet um, in terms of panel produced and so on. They're also investing a lot in that R&D. Um, so one to keep an eye on uh, next year. And I picked up two of our value awards because the value for money on them, again, they're not perfect. There are issues on them. Get off axes and all the rest, the usual LCD stuff. But if you just want a stonking value for money TV for your living room, um, and like I say, I've been using the 745 for a number of weeks now. Um, very impressed with that. Very impressed indeed. So there you go. And hopefully uh, that answers one of the questions in the chat because I did see uh, that being mentioned. Um, and it was RMK Bond. And he says, first time here, what do you think between the following two 65-inch TVs, the Hisense U7K and the TCL C845? Is the TCL worth paying over £150 more? Um, yes, because it's the higher model. So the, the equivalent model to the 845 would be the U8K. Um, so you're actually looking at the lower model against the higher TCL. So yes, 
it would be worth it because it's a higher end model than the than the U7K. So hopefully that answers that question. And I'll just check and see that we have um, uh, answered a lot of those. So Sugar A29 says he's just over a week with his LG. I think he's meant to say G3 there because there is no S3. 65 inch, brilliant performance and value for money. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Clyde, if Kaleidoscape ever go bust, you'll lose everything once the hard drive dies. Um, is that the case, Martin? I'm not sure about that, actually. And knowing Kaleidoscape, they'll have layers of protection for that scenario. Uh, but once you own the content, I guess you've got it there on your server forever. But uh, <clears throat> I don't know what their backup is, but I think it'd be very unlikely that they weren't protected. And yeah. ultimately, if you're buying a product from any company, you th there is an element of risk. Yes, that you know, it could you, it could be struck by a meteor, and it might <laughs> cease to be. And you, you pay some money, you take the choice. Yeah, and mm -hmm. arguably, the people that are not with the Kaleidoscape and they've used their own, mm -hmm. um, what happened to Zipedi this year? Yes. Right. So, I mean, nobody's really protected in that yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. Um, I think we've we've covered everything there. We've covered all the questions. We covered editor's choice. The articles are on uh, the website. There's also a movies one that Kaz and the movies team put together with uh, their picks for discs and streaming services and all that kind of thing. And uh, so the articles exist. Go find them on AV forums um, and give them a good read. And of course, you can ask questions uh, in the discussion uh, threads that go with them as well. Um, so yeah, uh, that covers everything there. So one thing we don't have is Ed's album vinyl and playlist recommendations and it's my favorite part of the podcast because i always learn something new and end up listening to something i never thought i would ever listen to and enjoy no, i'm not so. sure you didn't see this one coming if i'm honest because i'm uh, I, on occasions i'm very predictable uh it's album vinyl it's combined because i knew that we'd uh, have a lot of other things to talk about um some bloke called pete gabriel released an album last week first time he'd done it in 20 years um I need to be clear, Peter Gabriel is 73. He's not an innovator in the same way that he was when he left Genesis and went solo. But most 73-year-olds aren't innovators anymore because they're 73. Um, you can argue that some of the songs are rehashes of things we've heard before. Um, the one track, The Road, is broadly speaking uh, Sledgehammer with a vaguely updated um, synth system to it and, um, and different lyrics. But I don't care. It's Peter Gabriel actually releasing stuff and it's a joy to listen to. You've got the two mixes on the streaming services. You've got light side and dark side. Uh, you have to choose which one you want for vinyl, but all Peter Gabriel's albums on vinyl with uh, an exception, which he's actually currently in the business of correcting at the moment ha have always sounded good. So it's that as well. Um, don't necessarily rush out and buy the record, but just listen to it. It was released in this very strange way. There was a track every full moon throughout the year because it's Peter Gabriel. Um, just sit and listen to the album from start to finish. Um, it really does work together. It hangs together. His voice is held up beautifully. As you might imagine, it's beautifully mastered and recorded. Um, but more than that, it's a pleasure to listen to. It's a rumination on getting older and our place in a world which is more complex than it has been at any time before. And I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I will be picking it up on vinyl because I've picked up everything else he's done on vinyl, so I might stop now. Um, 
So that is my recommendation for that. We'll be discussing, I will come to the conclusion of an album of the year by the time we record the Christmas podcast. I haven't yet, and I'll have to end up tossing a coin for it. Um, Playlist, this is a bit weird. I um, thumped into Spotify. It's like, oh, are there any Big Beat playlists? Because I haven't listened to some Big Beat in ages. And not only is there a Big Beat playlist, there's one called 90s Big Beats and Break Beats, and you can tell it's decent because it's got a picture of a pair of Adidas trainers. I'm just going to say bloody Adidas trainers. I could see so, it my as you might imagine, this is top draw. Perhaps um, <laughs> it could do with being listened to on shuffle because the person that created it, it does like lumps of prodigy, lumps of Chemical Brothers and so on and so forth. But more than the sort of famous tracks, there's things I'd forgotten about, um, possibly due to chemical inconvenience at the time. Um uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, it's just revisiting a short-lived but fundamentally joyous part of electronic music. Uh, I, in terms of my my past, Big Beat is a huge part of it, and I've always loved it. Um, and I just thought it's a bit different. And there are Christmas playlists coming out of your ass. That you don't need me to recommend you a Christmas playlist. You want an alternate Christmas playlist? They've got them. You want a classic Christmas playlist? They've got them. They're all there. Choose the one that picks your poison. Um, and just remember that Elvis Presley recorded the greatest Christmas album there has ever been, all the way back in 1957, and no one else has ever done it better. So okay. those are my recommendations. I hope Excellent. that things that have been over the year have been of some interest to some people. Excellent. Thank you very much, Ed. Uh, always appreciate uh, your input for that kind of thing. I've learned so much over the year and uh, found some new things to listen to. So thank you for that. Right. So we're going to wrap up um, briefly, but, but I, I know that some of the things that certainly I'm going to mention, because I know I'm going to mention them, uh, may be controversial. And I think we're going to come back and discuss them as the year goes on. But I wanted to give you my my big trends of the year from the TV side of things, and then maybe the other guys can can uh, give you their thoughts on what's going to be big uh, into 2024. Um, for me, I've kind of alluded to this through the podcast. Um, I think projection will never die. I do think it's on its last legs in terms of certain market segments. And what I mean by that is I think ultra shot through projectors um, are popular at the moment but i think their popularity is going to die away because of what i saw um very recently uh on a, a trip to poland and it kind of opened my eyes there was a 2000 pound 98 inch tv um from a company called tcl and i was blown away by the picture quality now again not perfect uh, global dimming system not local dimming and um you know the colors weren't great and so on but then neither are they on a UST projector, and with a UST projector, you're spending two and a half, three thousand pounds on the projector. Uh, the last thing you want to do with a projector like that is shine it just onto a white wall. So you need an ambient light rejection screen to get the absolute best out of it. Um, so that's another thousand, fifteen hundred quid on top of that. So you're close to five grand for this ultra shot through projection solution, which will give you a hundred inches. Um, you will suffer for contrast. Uh, colors might be wide, but again, the whole contrast issue is a, an issue. Um, there's a lot of marketing about using these things with the lights on. It doesn't work with the lights on. You lose your contrast. Anything projection-wise, you put a light on, uh, you're immediately going to impact, even with a light rejection screen and so on. Um, I can see why UST has been popular. I've seen some really nice examples of UST projectors and laser TVs, but because we are now looking at those price points for that kind of screen size, 
that 98 inch 2000 pound TV is going to beat most of the UST projectors on the market if you're looking for picture quality, especially when it comes to HDR. Um, a direct view set will always do that better than a UST. And the UST has always been marketed as the replacement for your TV, you know, replace it in the t in your living room. And it's never been aimed at the cinematic audience. So your JVCs and your Sonys and your BenQs and your Optomas and so on are going to be fine because that's a certain market segment where people want to watch a reflected image. They want that cinematic image. USTs are not. Um, they are you know, designed to replace your TV. They need to be used in a light-controlled environment. Um, and this is the one area where the marketing fails them. And I think because you're now going to be able to get these large screen sizes, and it's not just 98 inch, you can pick up 77 inch OLEDs relatively cheaply now uh, in terms of you're looking at real estate, the 83 inch TVs are starting to come down in price on that side of things as well. I think this is the big trend next year and into the, the, the very near future is um, for media rooms, for living rooms, you're going to start seeing these big screen sizes and becoming more and more cost effective um, and impressive. Uh, one of the things I did look at when I was in Poland as well was the new X955, 5000 dimming zones, 5000 nit brightness and so on. Um, and sitting watching that was really impressive. Again, it's a LCD TV. It's going to have its issues. And when you get to that screen size, depending on where you're sitting um, in relation to the screen, uh, you will start to see, um, you know, viewing angle issues, even on 100, because it's so wide. If you're sitting too close, you're going to see issues. And so, so they're not perfect. But, you know, if we're talking about media rooms and big bang for your buck and where USTs have been popular, I see big screen sizes just coming in. And the other thing is that, you know, TCL are talking about 110, 115 and bigger. Um, it's only going to get bigger. So for me, I think that's a big trend for 2024. Don't know what you other guys think. I'm, Martin, I know you're into projection and that's your thing. And I, I still think high-end projection is going to be a thing. It's not going anywhere. Uh, but that's a certain niche market anyway where you need to make a certain investment into it to start with. As a non-television person, can I just say that it makes this makes a huge amount of sense to me. Do you remember when um, uh, early days of HD, we had mm. um, that brief moment where DLP rear projection TVs went bonkers yep. because they fulfilled a, a, a niche, uh, you know, getting plasma above 42 inches at that point was tremendously expensive. Uh, the DLP rear projection TVs gave you a 720 line picture and it could be big and it still wasn't as deep as a CRT television. It fulfilled a niche, mm -hmm. but the second that flat screens actually got up Came to that size, price, yeah. a, a basic a, 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 a remotely commensurate price, they were dead and gone. Absolutely yeah. just disappeared instantly. Um, so, you know, ultra short throw projectors have done, have done something similar to that. And they have specific use cases, which may allow for excellent ones to continue to exist for a little bit longer. But yeah, what you've said makes perfect sense to me. Anyway. Bill, I'm probably also in a, a substantial minority there. If I can, yeah, uh, use that oxymoron, if you like. Um, but I. I love the thing of having a masked uh, image. I like to be able to change my masking from 1.85, you know, 1.66 to 1.85 to 2.39. Yeah. And um, a projector gives me that flexibility. I don't think there are many of us who are that uh, 
you, you know, who treat their home cinema that way. I just don't know. But I think we're in a minority, but that's what I like. No, and, and I'm not saying that that market's going to disappear at all. Yeah. I think that market's yeah. around to stay because, you know, you make a, a certain amount of investment and you only go down that route because that's your goal at the end of the day. That's what you want to see. I love a reflective image. Uh, I, I, I love projection. I, I, I love seeing film uh, projected. Um, yeah. that, that's always going to stay with me. Um, but no, it's a certain segment of the market. It's where USTs have come in um, and tried to steal TV's thunder and TV's just going to come straight back at them and say, no, that ain't happening. And when you see a 98-inch screen like that and it only costing a couple of grand, you're going to see, you know, you instantly see why that is going to be the case. And and, and that's a, a trend that I see coming. But it's interesting you, you mentioned that side of things because my second choice, my final choice um, for big trend is a change of use um, when it comes to home cinema. We've kind of seen it happening um, over the years, but I really do think um, in terms of how people, and, and certainly I think it's, I hate using COVID as an excuse for anything, but I think because that happened, I think people have started to enjoy their homes a bit more. I've started to think about their homes a bit more and how they're using and interacting with their home. And I definitely see the trends now starting, and Ed's going to love this because, you know, it, it's his camp. People are looking and thinking, well, how do I enjoy my space better? I want to have less clutter. I want to have less things uh, on display, uh, but I still want performance. I still want my audio. I still want to watch the TV through speakers and that kind of thing and so on. And I see this just accelerating in the next couple of years. You see it. Wherever you go now, if you go even B and Q, uh, you can go and buy acoustic treatments now in B and Q that look like pieces of furniture, uh, wood slatting with acoustic foam on the back of it. It looks decorative. It looks really nice. It serves a purpose. Um, and uh, I, I see more and more of this. I see more people taking their time and looking at their environment. And I think that's going to be a big trend this year. And I think a lot of people, um, they're going to go one or two ways. Some of them are going to go uber high end. Um, and have stuff hidden in ceilings like projectors and, and so on um, and hide the speakers in the walls and so on. And then you're going to have the others who I'm probably going to be one of these who downsize and go from, uh, you know, a full on Atmos sound system with every speaker and think about the space. And I'm talking about my living space, not working space, living space where um, I, I go and I find a, a, a streaming amplifier with HDMI arc, um, a nice pair of speakers and some really nice furniture to go with it and just minimalize. And that's, I think that's where a, a big trend's heading this year. I think we're heading that way um, and we're going to see more of it um, based on people's living space. So I don't know what you guys think of that, but that's certainly where I, I see things accelerating. It's been around a few years. I just see it becoming bigger this year. Yes, sorry, I was muted. You're going to see, um, I mean, that that mimics some of the stuff I'm seeing in two-channel as well. Um, it's no longer a dirty word for high-end two-channel equipment to do more than one thing. It's able to do multiple things. It's able to look decent whilst it does it. And I don't just mean built like a lorry sense. It's actually supposed to able to look genuinely smart to actually work in a variety of environments. Um, so things like the name triple two and two fifty, um, there's going to be more things like that, uh, both at slightly lower and indeed slightly higher price points. Um, I mean, it sort of echoes 
I'm going to sort of sound a warning for my 2024 reviews. There's going to be less stuff in the middle. I fully intend to keep looking at affordable stuff when it's exciting and interesting and it's worth talking about. Um, lots of interesting things happen at that part of the market. There's a sort of suck out, um, for want of a better word or better phrase, um, there'll be a sort of gap. There'll be things under £500, then it all goes a bit quiet. And then once you get to sort of two and a half, £3,000, and just relentlessly from there, there's loads of interesting stuff. But trying to find interesting £1,000 things is not going to be as easy. Okay. Um, so I look forward to lots and lots of accusations of being elitist over 2024. But that is the sort of nature of how the market is. Modern affordable stuff is so breathtakingly competent, it has killed mid-range things quite. It's not necessarily killed it stone dead, but it has inflicted significant harm on it. For the equipment to be meaningfully better than the stuff that at rock bottom prices, it ends up costing a lot of money. And you're going mm -hmm. to see that replicated in reviews in Hi-Fi in 2024. Okay, I want to come to Matt on this one. So all the points that we've raised so far, Matt, I want to get your input because of the four of us, um, three of us do this for a living. Um, we do it full time. We're surrounded with it uh, and, and so on, you know, 24-7. You are not, um, you know, as, as entrenched in it as we are. So from, from that point of view, as an enthusiast, um, are, we, are we close to where things are in, from your point? I think so. I think the TV to UST comments spot on. I think there was a lot of people that chose UST because the TVs weren't there. Like that audience seems to be the same audience, in in, in my opinion. Um, and this is coming from, I mean, I would have a projector in my room that doesn't fit and 83 is all I could fit. I think the thing that people aren't thinking about about these monster things is that you can no longer fit them in your car. Mm. Like it's, it's van mm. delivery only, like or yeah. big curry trucks or whatever. Um, so that's that's the consideration that I don't think a lot of people are thinking. And it's you can no longer hang that by yourself. Like mm. I remember the 83, I had to call somebody over and get two hands and whatever. Like, so there's going to be some complexity there. Um, I think that space is interesting because nobody's still solving the, from an audio perspective on the home cinema side, nobody's still solving the center channel placement problem with these. Mm. And the bigger you go, eventually you're going to hit this point where, where do you put your left and right? I mean, right now we're worrying about the center, but if you get 120 inch TV and it's taken up your whole wall, what do you do with your, left and right because you don't have your acoustically transparent option there so i think that's interesting and i think actually um one of the companies that i'm quite keen to see if i can get it in actually is uh cricks who's not really well known in the uk too much australian theater company um they've come out with a center channel that's it's a left center right sound bar i guess but it's passive so you can essentially mm -hmm. get rid of that so i'm looking at it from a 120 inch TCL screen comes out, you throw that up on the wall, you get this Cricks LCR, you can still do your discrete 5.1, but obviously the three is the LCR underneath it. And it's like going to be like the closest to, so that yeah. to me is interesting. Um, and I think Martin's comment about high channel count, I think two things are going to push that forward specifically in 2024. One streaming services. So Disney came out the gate in COVID, everything was Dolby Vision, everything was Dolby Atmos really pushing that side of it that made Netflix and Amazon Prime kind of catch up. So as more material comes out in those audio codecs, I think that's going to and it's become more mainstream and Dolby leading the way with that. It's a well-recognized name. So I think people that are, you know, the uninitiated, so to speak, know what that is now. 
and they're kind of trying to chase it. Plus all the soundbar people are way over marketing their channel counts. Um, but then you've got the big hitters like Marantz and Denon that came out with high channel count processors this year. So again, bringing that price point down to the market, I think that's really going to project that out. A lot of people are going to get this AV10 or the equivalent 15 channel, they, what is it, the A1H, I think in the Denon side, that's the one that's all built in that's 16 channels. So it's like, there's a lot of good options for high channel count systems and a lot of unique offerings um, that you can now pair with a big television. So that's right. Big TVs, high channel counts. Those are my two predictions. Yeah. Martin? Yeah, um, I totally agree with the, uh, one of those uh, being high channel count. I think those are going to get into lower price uh, AVRs and preamps. Uh, the other thing, and I'm sure Ed has noticed this trend as well, are the powered speaker phenomenon that's been effectively replacing sound bars. <clears throat> yes delivering much better quality, but including HDMI on the back as standard now. Mm. So I like the way that AV is meeting hi-fi, if you like, if I can use those terms. Uh, oh, no, no, it's, 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 um, it's a point of uh, where it's, a, it's, if you like, it's a category, category distorting product because they, um, it's something like that ELAC that won an Editor's Choice Award, DVC 41. Um, it is able to uh, make a lot of affordable hi-fi look decidedly complicated and unnecessarily large and at the same time it takes chunks out of um would-be soundbar customers at the same time um yep. and yeah there's going to be more of those and um i mean one of the products that didn't actually make it through for 2023 i look hope to look at it in 2024 i mean when sonus faber is building something like that you can surmise that we're going to i would wager by this time next year Either myself or Martin will have tested one that is mm. a lot of money, and it yeah. will. And I don't. And obviously, Kef has been testing this anyway at about two and a half thousand pounds. I think we're going to see something significantly more expensive than that, even more expensive than the big Kef, which I have asked for and never received. Um, it's it's too tempting and comprehensive a solution to not go a long way further up the price points and the and you know and there be be relevant and all the way from you know 300 pounds up and, and a left and a left and right fine performing pair of uh powered speakers looks quite alluring either side of a tv and i'm i'm i don't like this thing of having to find room for a, a subwoofer near near the tv as well and the idea of having a more fully rounded full range type speaker near the tv mm. is a is a nice and yeah. uh, obvious option yeah and, and i think this comes back to people using their spaces uh, more intelligently and looking for products that, that are going to fit and i think that's why we're seeing the crossover it's why we're seeing yeah. son of sonus faber get involved in kef looking at their things and you're going to see more people migrating towards traditional hi-fi brands when when that kind of kit's becoming available and hdmi yark is is available on, on more and more devices that's going to push more and more people over and yeah absolutely and it's all about use case and 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 space basically so yeah great um i think most of us were on the same page there which was uh unusual so so next week is the christmas edition of the podcast and uh, monday the 18th we're actually recording it this week um 
Uh, but yeah, it's a whole team. It's a hardware team. It's the movies, guys. We're all getting together um, for the last podcast of the year. It's our Christmas special. You can bring your games with you and, and that kind of thing and Christmas jumpers and, and Ed's going to be drinking. So I have a Christmas game. jumper this year. I mean, unfortunately, the nature of how we shoot these things, I think it actually cuts off before any actual right. menu for Christmas happens. But I will be wearing a Christmas jumper. We'll, we'll have to try and get a wide shot, Ed, and, and get the Christmas I'll jumper I'll just stand in. up briefly. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's coming up uh, Monday the 18th, so uh, join us for that one. And um, that's the last podcast of uh, this year. We are going to be back in January with the podcast. Uh, it's going to have a new look. Uh, it's not going to be a million miles away from what we do at the minute. Just all of the separate sections are going to have their own podcast. They're going to be in, in more friendly uh, length of about 30 to 45 minutes each and so on. Um, so stay tuned to that. Look at our socials and so on. We'll tell you when that's going to happen. The first podcast of the new year will be the CES special. Um, as soon as I get back from Vegas and get over the jet lag, uh, we will put that podcast out and just discuss uh, the big news that happens over there. Uh, this year and i'm looking forward to that already um it looks like being another interesting uh, year ahead uh, in terms of uh, av so yeah that's the next podcast coming out join us for that one uh, 18th of december um it is recorded but it will go out at 7 p.m uh, as normal um and like i say podcast coming back next year early next year with ces and then a new format so my thanks tonight uh go to martin matt and ed thank you very much guys thank you sir thank you and uh, don't forget, you can do all the usual cliched social stuff by hitting bells and liking things and, and all the rest of it. You, you know the, the script by now because everybody uses the same one. Uh, if you want to buy us a coffee, you can buy us uh, buymeacoffee.com forward slash AV forums. If you think we've been useful tonight, we've answered your questions and so on, um, then that would be uh, very much appreciated. Uh, I'm Phil Hinton. Thank you very much for watching and listening again. And we'll see you for the Christmas special next week. Good night. Good night.